0: God bless you. Appreciate that. All right. I want to ask for a couple of ushers or helpers here, if I could have two fellows or two ladies, however you want to do it. If you'll give each of you one of those <clears throat> give one of those to each person that comes. And while they're doing that and while we're just kind of introducing introducing ourselves, I probably don't need to say anything since your mom's kind of involved with this, thinks she's one of the speakers. For the ladies' refresher, I just uh, can't encourage you more to put aside that weekend. Fellas, if you want to give your wife a valentine, give her, give her the note on Valentine's Day that this is what you're going to deliver on March 1st and 2nd. You're going to keep the kids, alright? You're going to do whatever you got to do to keep the children happy and sane and safe for a couple of days and send her off to the ladies' refresher. I think that'll be one of the best things you can do for her. Um, and ladies, um, expect that, okay? On Valentine's Day, expect a note from your husband saying, here is your two-day pass. I'm keeping the young'uns. Isn't that right, brother? That's good. There I you like go. It. That'll work. And I know you'll... i to do it, so... Yeah, that's right. I need to bear my burden. The uh, <laughs> pastor is setting the example there. And uh, so we encourage you to do that. We don't, I don't have the kids to keep, but I'm sending my wife off anyway. Uh, don't even have a dog to keep, so... but. Uh, I'll just keep myself out of trouble while she's gone. How about that? Two different things. Yes, sir, they are. Yeah, I'm sorry. One's missions and one kind of gives you an overview of what our association is about. And I'm going to try to do something this morning that's a little different. We are, it it is our morning worship service, so I want to bring you something from the Word of God. And at the same time, I want to try to keep you up to date with what uh, we're doing collectively as an association of churches, what you're a part of. You know, if, when, you, when you give your money uh, to support the work of the association, you need to know what it's going for. If you're supporting some missionaries or... Uh, you know, this is a church plant and, and the association's been a part of that from the beginning and there's coming a day when the t- roles will be reversed and you'll be able to do the same thing to help start a church somewhere else to give you an idea of what we're about and what we're trying to do and, and what we stand for you probably know what we stand for because you've got your pastor, right? and you know what he stands for and we're right there on the same page but, uh, so I want to do it all together And what we'll do is share some things from the Word of God and sprinkle in some other things. How about that? And hopefully by the time we get through, God will challenge your heart for the Word and you'll know a little something about uh, what we're doing collectively as a group of churches and and why the Lord has brought us together, as well as why you're doing what you're doing in this area. If you will turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and we'll be looking at some verses, verses 4 and 5. Now, your preacher didn't tell me how long to preach or quit, so, you know, when to quit or whatever, so we're just going to go to the Lord Says stop. hopefully that won't be too long. Um, I tell folks, you know, where I, where I come from, I've had a, a radio ministry for 20-something years, and uh, so there's the 10 or 15-minute radio message, Okay and that's, that's a possibility, then, you know, normally you preach 25, 30 minutes, right? You're, that's what your preacher does? Or is it 40, 50? You're like your dad, or you 40? Okay, I was going to tell you, me. you must be like your dad. No, I'm not and, the PC. He goes an hour. Oh, it goes an hour, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then, there, then there's the class time slot, that's 55 minutes, alright? Then you've got the, the class slot that's an hour and 25 minutes. Then we have a once-a-week class for a course that goes on for five, you know, it's a course that's stretched out over five weeks, you meet one night a week for four hours. So we'll see what you get this morning. How about that? <laughs> uh, well, I did that one place, and the guy spoke up and said, "We'll take the ten-minute message, please." You know, that's what he wanted. <laughs> but in Deuteronomy six, uh, we we read something from from the Lord, and it's probably something that sounds familiar to you. I hope so. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is." The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now you've heard those words before. Because if you turn over into Matthew 22, we see that there's a scribe that's asking Jesus the question, what's the greatest commandment? You know, what is it? You know, what's the best? What's the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus gives them this one. And then he gives them one that he wasn't asking for. He says, the, and, and second is, likened to it, is to love your neighbors yourself. And basically, Jesus has summed up the whole law whenever he gave those two commandments. Because loving God, that's all the things in, in the Ten Commandments that deal with God and our relationship to him. And then the last part of that is all of our relationship with other people. Because a lot of times, folks are not looking so much to hear what you're saying as to hear what you're saying and what you're doing. Right. So Jesus was putting it all together. He says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love your neighbors yourself. And most of us probably love ourselves pretty good, right? Uh, uh, We had the privilege of having a Filipino girl in our home for four years while she was at college. She just graduated this December. And sweet girl, uh, humble girl, loves the Lord, has a beautiful voice, and just became part of the family right off the bat. But there was one thing that she liked. And that was a mirror. You know, whenever she'd pass by, I guess she was checking her hair every time she'd pass by. And sometimes and, and we were teasing her one day and she was teasing back and she said, Oh yeah, when I was little, I used to look in the mirror and say, Thank you, Lord. <laughs> now I guess I guess as far as putting in the second commandment, she could do it pretty good. But uh like I said, she was humble and and is. But that's what God is telling us. We're we're to glorify God together. Why do we exist as a church? Why do you come together on Sunday morning and Wednesday? Why do we bother coming together? I'm, haven't you heard people say, I can worship God out in the the, the nature out here, all out in the woods, or by the lake, by the coast? I love all that. I grew up on, 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 on the beach. I grew up on, on the coast in, in South Carolina. So, I mean, I like low country. I like the pluff mud between my toes. I like to get out and, and, and ride the waves and and, and, and it's nice whenever, you know, you're stand, trying to stand still on the edge and, and you just get deeper and deeper because that, you know, the, the waves coming in and out, and you're just kind of sinking down. And, and, and I like that. I like the mountains too. It's what's in between sometimes. I wish the Lord would kind of let me, you know, miss sometimes. But uh, the mountains and the shore and the rolling hills, all these, beautiful. And uh, we can easily say, you know, I can worship God out there. Yeah, I go out there and, and thank Him for His creation and admire His beauty, especially in the fall and the spring of the year, but um, that's not why God is called. That's not all that God expects of us. He wants us to come together collectively. He wants us to come together as a group of believers so that we can collectively honor Him, collectively worship Him and praise Him and interact with Him and let Him interact with us. See, there's something you're going to get at church you won't get by yourself in your home. Now, that personal relationship with the Lord is necessary. That personal time with the Lord is necessary. Coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior is necessary. We don't get to heaven without it. And that daily communion has got to be there. But there's something that God says, I've got special for you when you come together and we worship and glorify God, when we glorify Him. Together. So I guess the first thing is why we're together, even why we exist as an association of churches or fellowship of churches and, and why we would exist as a local church right here is so that we can exalt him, we can glorify him together because that is the first thing that Jesus told us to do. That is the greatest commandment. You know, the golden rule, as we call it, or, or the, 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 uh, the second greatest commandment is just that. The, the greatest thing we can ever do is to love the Lord with all of our heart and our mind and our soul. And in Luke, Jesus asked that question of somebody who's wanting eternal life. And uh, so he said, well, what is the commandment? What is the great commandment? And, of course, it was given to him. We're to exalt him. We're to have that holy heart. We're to have that cleansed heart. We're to have that cleansed life. In Romans chapter five, in verse five, uh, Paul is, is concerned about the love of God and and the condition of our heart. Even as a believer, you know what what where, where do we you know what ha- what's to happen once we trust Christ as Savior? Do we just miss heaven and live our life, and I mean miss hell and miss and live our life and go to heaven one day when we die? Is that the whole reason, or does God have something else in mind? And we look at the scriptures and and we see that God does have something else in mind. He says, now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's why we're here. To glorify God, to exalt Him, to let Him, and I like the illustration, pour out His Spirit into us. Now, my wife will tell you she has four children. Three she gave birth to, the other she married. (laughs) Because it you know, it's a disaster if I'm around the pitcher at the house. I don't care what kind of pitcher it is, how good it is. Whenever you pour it, it's just going to leak somewhere and it's going to get on the tablecloth or whatever. And, um, and so, you know, but, but that, that vision of pouring, you know, pouring something out and sometimes, you know, it, children especially like, especially Coca-Cola. You know, when you pour in that, you want to get as much in there and get all that fizz. And, you want the fist to die down so you get more coke in there. So you're just trying to pour and pour and pour. Sometimes you don't get it just right and it just kind of goes over the side. Well, God, every time, wants to just kind of go over the side as far as pouring out his love in your heart and my heart. And that's what happens when we exalt him. When we glorify him together. In First John 1, 7, the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. And his desire for our heart and our life is for our hearts to be cleansed as a believer in Christ and to know that perfect love that he wants to give to us, that he wants to pour through us and has let it ooze out of us and, and change our heart and our life. In 1 John 4 verses 15 on through 19, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us, that God is love. He who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us we exalt God, we glorify him together. And then in return, he wants to go ahead and and cleanse our hearts. He wants to fill us with his love and he wants to perfect us. He in other words that doesn't mean we're perfect and flawless and all this kind of stuff. It means that, that our hearts that our, our hearts are cleansed of sin and our hearts desire is to love him with every fiber of our being and to do his will and to do and, and carry out his his directions for our lives and to exalt him in our with our what we say and what we do. We want to, you know, God wants us to glorify Him, to exalt Him. That's why we're here. And then secondly, why are we here? To evangelize, to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. As an association, we do that through missions and church planting. And we want to reproduce ourselves. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But God wants us to evangelize and to plant his body, to plant, to, to give birth to his body, to, to plant and spread his body, his gospel, locally and around the world. That's what he wants us to do, to evangelize. That's written all the way through the book of Acts, as far as New Testament church is concerned. Your neighbor, he wants you to point to Christ. The, the, the community next door, or the, the next country, or the next state, or the next county, wherever it's needed, God wants you to put and plant. A body of Christ, a church. Organize and and win some folks to Christ and begin to plant uh, churches throughout His world, throughout His country. That's what He wants us to do, to exalt Him, to evangelize. Acts chapter 13. Look at verses 1 through 5 if you want to. Acts 13 verses 1 through 5. This is is, is where we begin to see how God is going to be doing ministry in such a way that it can be reproduced throughout the centuries. You ever wonder why we still have churches in twenty one thirteen or 2013? And uh, it, it, for 2,000 years, the church has been reproducing itself. The body of Christ has been reproducing itself. Because, and we see how it was done right from the beginning, and we can just follow and adapt. I mean, take the principles and apply them to the age in which we live, but this is, what, this is a blueprint that God gives to us. And, and we see that in, in uh, the, the church in Antioch when, when they were organized and coming together and God began leading people to himself and they began to be equipped for his ministry uh, in the local church, that, that God began finding individuals. You see, the local church is a good place to find leaders and, and begin to uh, encourage and build those leaders and sometimes God comes and says, okay, I want that leader, and I'm going to take that leader and put him over there. You know, it's, a, it's not a bad... It should not be an unusual problem for a church to say, you know, we grow and we begin to see God work in the lives of people, and then God takes them away by putting them in ministry, putting them on the mission field, putting them somewhere to, to plant a church. That's, that's what God was doing in the book of Acts. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. I mean, somebody right next door. In other words, who knew Herod. In other words, God was reaching in all kinds of places to find people. And Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them and sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. So you see what's happening, the church, they're just doing local church work and all of a sudden God says, okay, now we want to go and we want to start some churches somewhere else. Now I want you to take these two folks, I want you to pray for them, we're going to have a time of prayer and fasting so that you know who you're going to select. You know, a lot of times we miss the boat when we're selecting leaders in local churches because we don't pray and fast first, we just have a vote. And that's the And then pray later, you know. But God says, no, we, we pray ahead of time for God to do the choosing to get, pick His people and to put them where He wants them to do. And that's what was happening. And, and so the, the, the early church found its second reason for being here. Not only to exalt Christ, but to evangelize, to begin to reproduce itself. Because you can go all the way through the rest of the book of Acts. And you find the same thing took place. In Acts chapter 13, verses 14 and 43, Antioch of Pisidia was another place where they planted a church. Acts 14, 1, Iconium. In Acts 14, verses 6 and 21, in Lystra. Acts 16, we see him in Philippi. In uh, Acts 17, we find uh, in, in Thessalonica. And then we find in Berea in Acts 17. And Athens. Now, we don't know how many churches were started in Athens. But we went into the Paul. Got up alongside, um, you know, Morris Hill, just under the Acropolis. And you can still see all that today. The ruins of all that today. And, and began to share Christ right there with those that had gathered and some were converted in Corinth, in Ephesus, in Corinth in Acts 18, Ephesus in Acts 18, in Troas, in uh, Acts chapter 20, and then we find that Paul wound up in Rome. We find out he went in Colossae. You just go all the way through it. It was part of their DNA. You know, um, it's wonderful seeing all these little children around. And, and, and uh, I'm old enough to be a granddaddy. I am. And uh, my oldest is four the next one is two and Gideon is supposed to arrive somewhere at the end of April unless my daughter-in-law cooperates and waits and has him on my birthday, May 3rd which I've asked her to do, we'll see what she does but anyhow, you know, we'd love to have children right? You, you've had yours those of you that are old enough to be grandparents, you wonder why he didn't have grandchildren before you had the kids but anyhow, uh, because they're wonderful creatures but we, we that's normal, that's life, right? it's unusual, and sometimes there are reasons why, but it's unusual when, when couples marry and they go through life and there are no children. There are no young people that come in this world. Well, it should be the same way for the church. It ought to be unusual if there is a congregation that goes along for any period of time in its history and it does not reproduce the church, it does not reproduce leaders, it does not reproduce pastors and missionaries and so forth. That should be an unusual thing. And the usual ought to be all that happens. Because it ought to be part of our DNA. And so it was with the early church. To exalt Christ. That's why we're here. To evangelize. That's why we're here. God put you here and left you here. So that you can reach other people. That's why you didn't get saved and get zapped and taken to heaven right away. Because that period of time. Between your conversion. Until you die. God has a plan for you. And it's to evangelize. And thirdly, evangelize. We're going to come right back to it. We've been talking about planting churches, but this is concentrating on individuals to reach individual people across the world and to realize that, you know, God is not just some abstract thing out there. We're talking about the person that you work with that may not know Christ to save. Do you realize? And sometimes we have friends and we say, I don't want to talk to them about Christ. I might offend them and get them mad at me. Wait a minute. Do you love someone? I mean, is that person really your friend? If, if, if someone is really your friend, I mean, don't you want what's best for them? If, if this person were your friend and they came to you and said, I have this form of cancer. I don't know what to do. And you say, well, I know what to do. There is a, is a doctor, there is a cancer clinic somewhere that can treat this and, and handle it. And if you go there, it can be taken care of. Now, if he was your friend, you're going to tell him that. If you say, well, I might tell him you know, that and, and, and he'd get offended and, and uh, so I don't want to risk it. Well, that doesn't make sense. Neither does not sharing Christ with someone that is our friend or someone that is our neighbor. That's also what God commands us to do. You know, uh, in in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, uh, the Bible is telling us, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I'm told that that the Greek there actually carries on the sense of as you are going, make disciples of all nations. You know, we, we have led, I think at least, or been a part of 20 uh, short-term ministries over the last 21, 22 years or whatever. And, uh, and we, we caught on, you know. We don't ever go planning to see all the sites if we go to another country. But we wind up seeing them. Because as we are going and sharing Christ, we're also going and they're seeing some places especially young people they've never seen before but it's all part of the process when you have a vacation as you are going don't leave god behind you know take some gospel tracts go 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 with the intent of befriending and meeting someone and maybe and asking god at least to let you have somebody that you can talk to about the lord jesus christ Acts 1, eight, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. It's all at the same time. It's not an either or. It's not first do this, first do that. Because at the same time we, that we are reaching our Jerusalem, we're reaching our Judea, we're reaching our Samaria, we're reaching the uttermost parts of the earth. And you say, how do you do that? You do that through prayer, you do that through gifts. Now, your pastor was talking about some from the Decatur Church wanting to go to Uganda this summer, is that right? That, uh, well, you can, you can be a part of that ministry, whatever they do for God, through your gifts and through your prayers. And in about a month's time, we'll be heading off with some folks down to Belize to do a project there. And the next summer, uh, heading back there with a group of young people, hopefully 15 or 20, that are going to be doing youth ministry in the same area. Like, how do you, you, you can be a part of that, even if you don't go. Through prayer, through giving, through, and, and that's what God is telling us. We evangelize, we do it at the same time by reaching those that we are around wherever we are, and also being a part collectively as a local church, collectively as a group, as a fellowship or association of churches, to be able to help others do the work of the ministry. I mean, you've got Jeff Rain's sister in this church, right? And I've known Jeff uh, since he was in college. And when you, when, when, when you are praying for Jeff and Terry, when you are giving to their work in their ministry, you are also taking part in ministry in Ecuador, just like you are here in Madison. That's what God is telling us. And um, we're to evangelize. Um, Paul multiplied his ministry by training people to reach others. Uh, that's what we want to do. We are to uh, be, be faithful, and even as, as a local church, as far as our ministry is concerned. So we're to evangelize. And we're to seek uh, to expand. We're to seek to do His ministry in, in whatever ways He encourages us to do. Now, um, as we reach souls across the world, as we focus on that particular opportunity, God also has something else. Before we leave that one thing, when we talk about reproducing ourselves, we mentioned the young lady that was part of our home that was from the Philippines. The way I, we got acquainted with her is we took a couple of groups to the Philippines. And I had known her daddy for 10 or 12 years before I ever met the rest of the family. And what's intriguing about her father is that a month before this young lady was born, he started a church in his living room. That's that sound familiar? And uh, that church is 20 years, 20, uh, 20 years later, numbers about 3,000. They have three services on a Sunday starting at 4.30 in the morning. Then there's one at 7, there's one at 11. Now, you have to understand in the Philippines, the roosters get up at 4 or 4.30, and everybody else does too, whether you want to or not. You know that they just everything on, on all those islands. Every chicken goes off at that particular time of day, and they're everywhere because they don't have freezers and stuff. So when you get fried chicken, it's fresh. I mean, probably just two hours of it was walking around, you know, two hours ago. And and so um, you know everything goes off. So it's not too too unusual that they would be up that early. Friday, Saturday morning, their prayer meeting starts at five. And uh, but that's not that's not where I'm going. They started that, but in the last 20 years, that church has been started and growing. And he's been involved with starting 59 others. It's part of their DNA. And I said, Jimmy, how do you do it? He said, well, when we plant one, he says, right from the get-go, we, they understand that they need to be planting now. Now, you know, we don't think this way. But they're thinking, okay, we've got a core. We're winning some folks to the Lord. We're discipling them. Now, while we're doing this, all right, you core right here. You begin to think about where you're going to put your church in six, eight months or a year from now. Where do you want to plant one? Where do you want to reproduce yourself? See, we don't think that way. A lot of times we think, well, that's when we get this thing established. Then we'll think about something else. But that's, and they don't care where they meet. They get folks together and they meet where they can. Uh, I've preached in everything over there from what would be considered by their standards a, a nice building with pretty tiles on the floor and everything. And I've preached in, under a, a tarp, you know, that they put up and throw up for, for their services in somebody's backyard. And, and they don't care. They get the folks together, then they worry about a place. And that's part of their DNA. That should be part of ours part of reproducing ourselves. And another reason we're together is, beho- is to hold each other accountable. Um, I mean, as a, one of the reasons God wants you to come together and why Hebrews 10.25 is in the book is not just so you can sing songs and listen to folks sing and listen to a good message from a preacher. But it's also so that you and I can hold each other accountable. There's a mutual accountability when you, when you know that you're going to come to church on Sunday morning and you're going to be around people that know Christ and are living for him, and, 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 and their heart is right, and, and you, you know you're going to have to give a little accountability. Uh, and in fact, uh, if you have accountability groups, I'm part of a, a group that, uh, that m- once a month. It's just about, you don't want the group to get too big, but it's, it's it, in other words, if it gets to a certain size, you, you get another account, accountability group, but it's just pastors, and we're from different, different denominational groups, but we hold each other accountable. There are a set of questions we ask ourselves once a month, and, uh, and we share. We share the answers, and we know that the, that the others are going to be praying for us, and so you really can't cheat for long if you're going to be tempted to cheat as far as your answers are concerned. You 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 answer those questions honestly, and it has to do with your prayer life. Has to do with your thought life. Has to do with uh, how you're using your time, what your burdens are, what your victories are, what your prayer concerns, etc. And uh, and even ask you know what are you denying yourself something for the Lord? I mean, are you dying daily for Him? And then in addition to that. There's a, a friend of mine that's been part of that. Well, we try to call each other once a week. He lives in Nashville, Tennessee. And, and, and of course, we're living in Jackson and wherever else I happen to find myself. Um, we will talk. And we have a set of questions. And we don't know what we're going to ask each other. You know, it, we have a list of things that we can be asked, that we've agreed with, that we can ask each other. And uh, we'll be asked by how the Lord is leading that particular person. That's accountability. Now, I have accountability with the association, you know, your pastor does. We don't, just don't issue pieces of paper and say, here, you know, go, go call yourself reverend. No, it stands for something. In other words, we look at a person's doctrine, what they believe. We look at a person's character. Do they live what they preach? Are they, you know, are they, are they godly men? I mean, we don't want to send somebody out that we know is right off the bat is going to be an Elmer Gantry. You know, we want to put, if, if, if a person is ordained, if a person is given a license to preach, we want anyone who comes in contact with them to understand, we want their congregations to understand, that as far as we can humanly tell, this person is genuine. He's authentic. He's a man of God. This is what he stands for. There's certain things. And there's accountability. Because if I stray, if your pastor strays, there are going to be some folks that are going to call us on the carpet and say, wait a minute, you, you, this part of your life is not where it's going to be. should be. You may be starting down a path that's going to take you over here. And so we hold each other accountable. God expects us to do that. He expects the church to hold the church accountable. Just look at Peter. Look at First Peter. Read what he says about judgment beginning first at the house of God. I mean, God expects it, He holds us accountable. And so when we come together, accountability is part of what we did. You know, Peter let himself be accountable to Paul. When whenever Peter went to, you know, was was around, you know, the Gentile believers, and some of these folks from Jerusalem came, who thought you had to keep all the Jewish feasts and everything if you were going to be a Christian. If you didn't, something was wrong. And so they were trying to mix a little bit of Judaism and a little bit of Christianity. Peter who's, even after the day of Pentecost, Peter who preached the message in Jerusalem to thousands of people where thousands were converted. Peter who gave, was given the, uh, the privilege of taking the gospel to the Gentiles to start with who had a special vision from the Lord on the rooftop saying, look, I know all these, you're going to eat everything I've told you in the Old Testament you can't eat, but don't worry, I've cleansed it, you're going to eat it. It's a new day leader. I'm sending you out now because you're going to the Gentiles. You're going to preach to the Gentiles and open the door. Of the gospel to the Gentiles. This Peter decided he wanted to please these Judaizers and so he didn't keep company with his Gentile Christians while they were in town. He just stuck with the Jews. And Paul said, Peter, this is not right. It was causing problems in the church, it was dividing the church. And Paul publicly took the apostle Peter to cats. And they didn't, I mean, and, and, and Peter responded well. We don't see anywhere in the Scripture where these two didn't speak to each other after that because they did. You look at the end of, of, of Peter's letters and at the very end, he's, he, you know he loves Paul because he's talking about the writings of Paul and he's linking them and saying they're, they're with other Scripture. These men loved each other but they were accountable to each other. We need to be accountable to each other as an association, as an individual. To, to other believers, that's why we're together. And um, then another reason that we exist as a fellowship and another reason that we exist as a local body of believers is to do something collectively that we really can't do by ourselves. Now suppose Jeff and Terry, now I don't know, there might be some well-to-do person sitting here that's got millions, I don't know brother, have you found them yet? <laughs> um, he's not telling them if he did. Um... There might be someone that could say, look, Jeff and Terry, don't worry about it. I can fund you for the rest of your life on your ministry. How much does it take a year? Yep, we can handle that. But that's very unusual. I doubt very seldom you ever find that. Usually what happens is missionaries and my daughter's one, so I know what she has to go through to get on the field. And, uh, and, and so missionaries have to collectively go to different believers, different groups, different churches. And to get individuals to explain what their ministry is, get individuals to accept their ministry, and they pool the resources together, <clears throat> and you put them on the field. And they're ready to serve the Lord. They're able to serve the Lord. You, as a local church, couldn't do it. But when you you know, pool together with some other local churches of like faith, you can. You know, we talk about the youth camps, we talk about the ladies' refreshers. You can have a good meeting, you can have a good ladies' meeting, you can have a good kids' meeting, and you can have a good men's meeting. But boy, when we get together with some others and we collectively do something, you know, we can have some great times together. You know, the whole time I was serving as president of Southern Methodist College, I would occasionally show up at annual meetings. And Brother Mike and I have known each other for a while. And so I just called him up. I'd say, Brother Mike, can I come represent the college? He'd say, sure. And I had... So th- two things in mind. Number one, obviously, present the college wherever I can. Looking for students, looking for funds. That's what college presidents do. You raise students and you raise funds. Well, that's what you have to do. But also, I come and those three days, man, I went back home with my batteries charged. I'd been to camp meeting, the revival. You see, when you do, th- you can do things like that collectively. And that's why, you know, that's why we try to do that. So you know we share these things with you, and and there's some good things happening, you know, throughout the association. There, uh, one pastor called me, and we'll be in his church in a couple of weeks. And he was saying, praising the Lord, because for the last several months, he said we went through a dry session, a dry season. He said we were losing more people than were coming in, because a lot of older folks were dying off. Huh? He said, but but in the last few months, we've been seeing folks come. There's not been a Sunday gone by. He said for two or three months, where somebody hasn't trusted Christ as Savior. At least one. And a lot of times it was more than that. And other places where it looked like the church was dying on the vine and now they're they're moving back in the other direction and and seeing some folks saved, seeing some folks baptized, seeing some folks brought in their church. There's some good things happening, just like this good thing's happening here. And a lot of times because we're praying together. We're fellowshipping together. We're seeking to do what we can for the Lord. So I hope as we share that with you, you'll have an idea of what we're about as a group, what's a part of you, what's been part of your ministry in the beginning, and and we trust what we'll be working together uh, on as far as the future to the Lord comes. But more importantly, everything that we said this morning can apply to you personally. About exalting the Lord Jesus Christ, that's why you're here. You know, If we can summarize it in a, in a word or two, it's, a, it's to glorify God, it's to exalt Him. You know, we're here to, uh, uh, individually because we're supposed to be sharing Christ with others. We're here and, and we need other believers because we need to be accountable to God and accountable to other believers. They're our elders and our leaders. And then, of course, to do everything we can collectively to kind of pool our resources to help help others. Father, we thank you for your word today. Pray your blessings now upon it, Lord. We pray that you'll take it and apply it to our hearts and to our lives. We pray most of all, Lord, if there's one that needs to trust you, Savior, that today that would happen. If there's one that needs to come and surrender to you for eternal life, that that would and for sanctification, they would do that. Lord, if there are those that just need to be encouraged that you will have given that encouragement this morning. But we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, Pastor.